0: Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast. Well, the wheels on the bus fell off this weekend as the whites were put to the sword by Newcastle in a ruthless performance. We were reduced to 10 men after Chalaber's foot came up and then down and it just got worse from there. The doors to any kind of result were open and shut within what felt like a heartbeat at Craven Cottage. And we haven't seen a mass exodus from the stands like that in many, many years. There wasn't much to clap your hands about but there's always lots to talk about and here to discuss the game as always we have Elton. Elton how are we going?
1: Uh, I'm fine thanks so I I think I've nearly recovered. And
0: speaking of recovery Sam how are you?
2: Yeah that intro really hurt listening to that.
0: Well look we've got a lot to discuss today we're gonna um, just stick to the Fulham Newcastle result. Obviously we've you know, exhausted our previews of this game and we were all really excited for it. And looking at us all on the screen now, that excitement has been sucked out of our bodies. Um, not the result we wanted. Fulham going down 4-1 to Newcastle. Um, a a Chalaber red card in the eighth minute, uh, which went to VAR, which we'll discuss. Um, Fulham 3-0 down at half time uh, It was pretty much all over at that point. A goal came in the 57th minute as well for Newcastle and then a late consolation goal for Bobby that could overread right at the death with a couple of minutes to spare. So, look, obviously the main talking point from this game, guys, is the red card and the VAR debate as well. So, Sammy, I know that you want to get this one <laughs> talked about and out the window. Uh, talk us through it. What are your thoughts on the red card itself? Was
2: it a red yeah, he's an idiot. Um, there's no way that Silver wouldn't have pressed on him the importance of his position, what he was supposed to do. He knew that Paulina was gone. There was no one that was gonna like really replace him. He would have gone out there knowing that he would have to play at least 80 minutes. And he had he had some good passes, but He got overexcited and he, in my mind, very selfishly did what he did. And the more I think about it, the less logic that I have behind it. He's a Premier League footballer. That should never have happened. It's it's a red card. And I don't want to hear his name for another six months.
1: When you describe it like that, and, and I've reflected on it exactly like that, I kind of unpopular opinion, but I actually have some compassion for him because you know what? He's a human being. He's living in the shadow of the guy who's had the best start in the Premier League in that position. Um, Everyone knows that he's not the equal replacement. He comes on. He's probably been living in his head the whole week. He's, Really up for it. I mean, you got to give it to him. There was an intensity about his first seven minutes, but it was naive, it was over exuberant. It was, he was trying to make his mark in uh, kind of an unimpressive way. And that wasn't the first dumb challenge that he did. If you watch the replay, Mm. that was not the first dumb challenge. And it was all about just. Over excitement to try and impre- sort of impose himself on the game, he got it completely wrong. It's a Greek tragedy for me.
2: Like naive is the best way to describe it as well, because it's just the lack of foresight. Like no, but, if I was but, him, I'd but, be playing but on eggshells. That's
1: hey, they're human beings, you know. He was trying his heart out. I don't. I don't believe for a moment. I would have been more upset if he was sulking around drifting out of the game and then kicked someone stupidly
0: and got set off. He was
1: trying. He just Mm. got it wrong.
0: One thing I'll say, and it's kind of a a bigger sort of thought, if you have a look at, at, you know, the first 10 minutes of the game and then the season in general as well, you had Mbappé making a pretty terrible challenge as well, uh, only a couple of minutes before the red card. Um, I think Silva sent them out there to be not aggressive as such, but definitely to assert themselves on the game, and maybe Chalibur's got that one a little bit wrong. I have to also say, for me personally, that's it's not a red card. I think if you look at it on VAR, it looks worse. But even then, his, his foot didn't make that much contact. It did make contact. It was slightly, slightly off the ground, but it's not a malicious ta- uh, tackle. I don't think it's a dangerous tackle because he's not going high up the leg. He's not intending to do that. He's slightly late, and that's about it. Um, for me, the referees made a mistake there. He got it right, first of all, gave a yellow card. It's been referred then onto VAR, and he's looked at it in slow motion. It looks worse because we know that it looks worse in slow motion. The the bigger picture here is, do Fulham have a bit of a discipline problem? We've got uh, Palinja's been suspended because of five yellow cards. Tete's got four yellow cards. Chalaba's now been sent off um reads picked up probably three yellow cards through the season so far we're probably looking at you know well i know for a fact because it was mentioned last night fulham have more yellow cards than any other team in the premier league so far do we have a bit of a discipline problem it it crossed my mind and i wondered you know
1: if if Pellini is sitting in the cottage if he was i, I never saw any he footage was there of yesterday it. okay i i wondered whether there was a moment of reflection when he thought to myself, what have I done here? You know, and and not a single person's mentioned this, but because we all love Polinia and we're all are happy so apparently to concede his his holiday every five games or seven games. But if he had a better discipline,
0: you know <sighs> well, I think we were happy to give him give him his suspensions because of what he brought to the team, but I, I would have thought a lot of people's opinions now changed and now I'm not that happy about it because looking at what we look like when he's not in the team and mm, we have key huge. players suspended and same with Kenny Tete as well. He's picking up yellow cards, but look at what happens when Tete's not playing and got, we'll talk about the changes at the wingbacks as well. Once we finished on the red card, but um, Babu got completely isolated multiple times, allowed his man to have heaps of space, uh, can't say he was directly responsible for any of the goals. I don't think anyone was, apart from the fact that we only had ten men on the field. But mm-hmm. I think we we do need to be a little bit more careful because we don't have the depth other teams have. And so when people are getting suspended, key players, it's going to really hurt us.
1: Yeah. I, I I totally agree with you. I think it's a bigger issue than something silly happened at the seventh minute mark, because you you have to view this. Everyone's got to share the responsibility of a lack of depth in the spot and a really finely balanced machine that is working well, but so fragile, we cannot break it.
0: And the moment we break it, we look pretty ordinary. Yeah. No, I was going to say, so, Sammy, uh, we obviously, you know, just mentioned then that we did have to make a couple of other changes. Uh, Robinson didn't quite cut it. It sounds like it was pretty close run, but wasn't quite fit enough. And we made the decision to put Kazawa on which obviously sort of failed because he came off at halftime also injured. Um, and Kenny Tete, it appears he had a little niggle before the game as well. It doesn't seem serious, but was left out for Mbabu. What kind of difference did losing our, you know, two starting fullbacks make to the team?
2: Yeah, look, I mean, I I feel like Mbabu played a better game than Kazawa. Like Kozawa did nothing for me. At least I actually noticed Mbabu in the game, like more so going forward. And he was actually at least pr- trying to provide b- balls for Dan James, which we'll get onto a little bit later. Um,
1: yeah. I, said, so about the two uh, wingbacks, uh, Mbabu continues to disappoint me. For me, I still don't see it.
2: At um, least I noticed him there, though. Like, well, Kazawa like, I, I might as well have been on, like a ghost. Hold on,
1: hold on, hold on. So I, I think um, I, I think he looks out of his depth. I really do. Um, Kazawa, I saw I saw some skill, uh, brilliance, and some genuinely good control. There's a couple of takedowns that he did that were
0: really quite impressive. One over his shoulder, which he just brought down like like a Messi. It was pretty yeah. impressive.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his defending wasn't great. He looked, he looked out of sorts. He didn't, he didn't look. Well, maybe it's just the fact that he hasn't played for a while. Maybe he, he's not used to the Premier League. I don't know what. But look, he hasn't played. He hasn't played football for a long time. But you can see he's 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 very skillful. He's very mm. skillful. Um, yeah. Look, it's 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 difficult to talk about our back four, the performance of our back four, um, without talking about the effect of Polinia and, and and Reed this season. And I think it just highlights how important Polinia and Reed, or Polinia on his own and then, you know, Reed working well with Polinia as a unit has been for our back four. And then you take out Kenny Tete, who stand alone has been really, really good and combative. And Anthony Robinson, um, he, he's been really, really good um so we we've had four really good games with the best not the best possible team but other than our our choice wingers uh, you know we've had a pretty good setup up at the back and then the wheels have just fallen off and for, for different reasons we've just struggled
0: yeah look uh i personally thought kasuo was more impressive than mbabu i I constantly stand up for Mbappé on this podcast and in our personal chats as well. I know that he's been super successful uh, in the Bundesliga. He's been really successful at international level as well. So far for Fulham, I think I haven't seen it from him, uh, which I'm I'm kind of disappointed by because I think he's got the ability, but he's just not showing. I think Kozawa looked very scratchy, but his um, ability on the ball I think was... Very, very good. I'm, I'm taking tiny positives here, obviously. But when he received the ball out wide a couple of times, he didn't panic. He didn't play stupid passes to people, which we have done in the past, which we saw Mbabu doing, trying to play the ball out in front of Reed a few times and just losing it completely. Um, but I think it's, you know, it it's obviously hard to judge them when you're down to 10 men because you're constantly under pressure. and. Sure you've got people playing out of position and there's always a spare man floating around. So you're being dragged out of position to cover that spare man. So it is hard to judge them, but I think it's, it's proof that we need our first eleven out there each week to be genuinely competitive with the sides higher up in the league, like a Newcastle will be at the end of the season. I'm sure mm. Um, for me, Tosin and Tosin and Ream didn't have terrible games, uh, I think they they were never going to have good games because they were constantly under pressure, but I don't think there was anyone particularly at fault for any of the goals. Yeah, um,
1: uh, I, I'm not so sure about that, Jack. I agree with you with Tosin and Ream. I think they didn't have cracking games, but they weren't awful at all. They were under a lot of pressure, and it was chaos at the back there, right? And, uh, you know, 10 men, always going to uh, be. I
0: think when you've got an extra man um, floating around, you can try and blame someone, but realistically, I, I know you, you're you talking Deckard over Reed being at fault for one of the goals, but I, I also think the, the, that was the, the um, long, Longstaff, is it? Yeah, no, Longstaff's no. goal. The oh, follow up yeah, 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 yeah. post. Yeah, uh, where Leno's made a save like that. I know he's slightly ball watching, but to be honest, most people in the team are ball watching, then everyone thought that was probably going in because Leno made an incredible save. Except um, the
1: guy, except the guy. Who followed through anticipated beautifully. That's and... always
0: strikers, though. Or strikers yeah. are much better at, at anticipating than defenders are. Um, and I think most people thought it was either going in or going out for a corner. Not many people yeah. would have thought he'd managed to tip that onto the post. But uh, I look, I I think it'd be tough to really put anyone at blame for any of the goals on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually feeling I'm actually feeling a bit sorry for Bobby Decadova Reed, who's who's actually
1: in the last couple of games or maybe even the last two or three games but he sort of dragged into being a defender
2: yeah well he
0: he played effectively in four positions on the weekend he played on both wings and at both fullbacks like it's great that we've got a player in our squad that can do that but also it's really tough on the bloke because he's having to play four different positions in a game um and being judged on it because you know that that goal that went in he started on the right wing. I started on the left wing, and that goal that went in—we're judging him on his positioning at left
2: back. Yeah, like tough, really tough. Also, as well on that note, as well, if we're putting praise to players, God bless Harrison Reed. Harrison Reed literally reminded me about like when I see like students running, running full pelt for the tram when it's just about to go. They don't give up until the tram goes, and that's Harrison Reed. And like, God bless him, he was he was fighting till the end.
1: And, and 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 a lot of things did not go well for him yesterday. No,
2: but he never um, gave up.
1: Yeah, he 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 covered a lot of miles. Mm. Um but and it's interesting, Jack and I were talking about this during the game, how it's very interesting how um Harrison Reed, you know, when he harries, he doesn't necessarily end up with a ball, but the ball spills from an encounter and Polina is there to mop it up.
2: Mm, right, yeah, so yeah.
1: together, that together it works really well. And he didn't have
0: that buddy yesterday, yeah, 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 uh, 100%. And we saw yesterday, it or at least it felt like it. Maybe it's being a one eyed fan, but it felt like every time the ball spilt out, you know, it's it's been come off someone's knee or something like that, or side of the foot or a miss pass, felt like it always fell to Newcastle. And I think that's mm-hmm. the advantage of having. 11 men over 10, is the ball just falls to you and things go your way because you have that numerical advantage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they the, the players must have been knackered by the end of yesterday because mm-hmm. they had to constantly be chasing their tail, chasing the ball. It was a tough, tough day out for everyone. And it's it's hard to find any positives um, from the game. I think Harrison Reed, like you said, he put in a good shift. Um, I don't think he had his, his best game. And I no. think you'd probably look at, uh, Pereira in the midfield as well and say he was also isolated by having to drop a little bit deeper. Uh, it wasn't his preferred position. I didn't really see him get on the ball that often. And when he did have the ball, he didn't really have the options to be able to do anything because he could either play to his back four or he had Mitro completely isolated up front or wingers out wide. Like he didn't have that that backup of Palina and Reid central with him to actually do stuff with. And, and it just it killed any kind of creativity, that red card. Um, Sammy, You your, your favourite man, Dan James, how do you think you went?
2: I got to see him run really fast. Like, I got to see Dan James run really fast. I got to see Dan James do what he can do. And I wish that it was in a better context. And it wasn't just him just furiously, like, trying to get out of situations and furiously essentially running to reclaim the ball. But like Harrison Reed, I felt that he worked his little butt off and I would just love to see that with a full starting lineup and actual like, and Polina in there and see him running um, in a more positive way as opposed to sheer desperation. But I got to see him run. I got to see him run. Yeah. Um-
1: there's a naivety to Dan James that um hasn't won me over. Um yes, he's quick. Um but it's all kind of predictable as to when he's gonna knock it behind the defender and he's gonna try and run past him. And um what's the name of that big guy, the big tall ex Fulham? Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne.
2: Yeah, he was a Gi- giant
1: yeah he was absolutely bullying him and yeah. I'm not sure he's that quick, but his body positioning was really good against him
2: yeah,
0: and he
1: actually blocked him from getting him away a number of times and he just sort of bounced him off like a like a toddler mm-hmm. a few times. I mean he's not mu- there's not much of him but look, I, I still like that element and it's good to have that speed but there wasn't much at the end of it even when he got away. And he had space to, to to try and put a cross in there wasn't a lot at the end of it. I was I was disappointed. He, he had his start. he had time. I know it's a difficult game, but I was a bit disappointed in in what I saw.
0: Yeah um, I, I kind of have to agree with that as well. I, I'm a fan of Dan James, but I thought the matchup he had with Dan Byrne was completely wrong. Somehow he made Dan Byrne who's six foot six look fast as well. I Mm. I was expecting Dan James to absolutely blitz past him, but there was only one point where he'd really knocked the ball past Dan Byrne and got around him. And then Dan Byrne still managed to recover and make the tackle. I think that wasn't the best matchup that he could have had for a full debut. I think he showed little glimpses. There was that good run that he made uh, when he switched across to the left wing as well. He had a chance to slide in Mitro. And I think, He he just seems to be lacking a little bit of confidence. Um, I hundred percent agree with that. I think I think there was that point. He, you know, someone who's a little bit more confident, and I think even like a Decadova Reed probably could have put a better ball in there. Where he just would have taken that second and played the pass at the right time. Instead, he waited a little bit too long. Didn't really trust Mitro's run, um, and ended up passing the ball to no one, and then chasing it himself and picking it up on the other wing, which yeah. was still quite impressive because he showed quite a lot of pace there to do that, running effectively from left back to right wing yeah. via the centre of the pitch. But, um, yeah, naivety, good comment. I'd say, yeah, lacking confidence and unfortunately not the game to get any confidence because he didn't really have many opportunities. And when mm-hmm. he did, there was that point where him and Dan uh, – not. Dan James, him and Dan Byrne had a little tussle out on the right wing towards the end of the game. And as the commentator said, there was literally a foot difference between them. So the only way Dan James was going to get around him was us putting balls through along the ground and Dan James outpacing him, which he just didn't look like doing yesterday somehow. So I'm not disappointed with the performance because I think it was against the odds a little bit, but... I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that sort of running around him and 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 creating chances. And then I guess the last person to really talk about who, who started the game at least was Mitro, um, hobbled off in the 37th minute with an injury. Um, for, uh, for me, and I made the comment last night, I have a funny feeling that he potentially flagged it himself and said we're 3-0 down. This game, oh, was it 2-0 down at the time? Yeah, 2-0 down. Uh, this game's pretty much done. I've got a bit of a sore ankle. How about I have a rest, guys? Um, yeah, that's smart. He, he basically sat down completely behind the play and was just looking over at the bench. Didn't look in any pain. Didn't really hobble. And I don't know if you saw when he was walking off at halftime, he was having a joke with uh, Matt Target from Newcastle and uh, had a bit of ice on the ankle. But um post-game... Silva did say that they'd assess it, but I didn't sound like he was very worried about the the injury. Mm. Oh, well, look, you, you you he's so valuable.
1: If there's any issue, whether it was Mitro's call or not, if there's any issue, you've got to have him, have him with the physios for as long as it takes for him to be 100% fit. Yeah, totally. He, 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 even, if, even if we get thrashed in the next two games because we have no Mitro, you'd have to do it because you, he has to be fit for the season
2: yeah i thought vinicius actually looked really good I, i i actually i actually really liked what he was doing i thought he was i've got sorry for, him. I yeah, felt I, sorry me for too. him me too you know in the circumstances he had he nothing
1: he yeah. had nothing you know mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's very strong mm. and he was really putting his body about and really trying hard mm. um i, I I'm, I'm sure silver would have been pretty pleased with what he was trying to do in the circumstances mm-hmm.
0: yeah i think that's fair i think he 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 put himself around, he really tried hard, but just didn't get any service. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he ever got the ball to his feet during the game, apart from maybe one or two times, but really the ball got launched towards him multiple times. He tried to get something on it, did a lot of work physically, but didn't really get a chance to show what he can do. And I- I'm still excited about having him in the squad as a backup striker. I think he's uh, a step up from uh, from Moonies at least. Um but it'll be interesting to see what he can do in a in a full starting lineup. If you had, for example, Willian and Harry Wilson playing on the wings, and then Robinson and Tete right and left back, and Palina in the middle, uh, I think him up front would actually be quite an interesting option because he'd be doing all that physical work and really causing defenders problems. While you have actual starting players running around him, I think he could could do some damage just like Mitro does. Um, Let's talk about the subs that came on. So obviously, Vinicius came on quite early with that. Um, with Mitro going down, And then at halftime or just before halftime, we saw Kenny and Diop come on. How do we think those guys went? Uh, Sammy, talk to me. Yeah, just talk to me.
2: <laughs> um, I actually really liked Diop. He's had a bit of a weird start to the season, but I actually thought that he looked pretty good for us. Um, he had like some decent confidence. I felt that he was actually doing some pretty decent passes. I felt a lot more confident when he came on than before he was on. Um, It's impossible to judge like entirely because um, Newcastle just really took advantage of our man down and just started literally throwing everything in the kitchen sink at us. Um, Tom Kenny, I thought he actually did okay. There was a couple of bits um, towards like the end of the game, uh, probably about like the seventy-minute mark, where he actually got the ball forward pretty well. I don't, I don't think he um, played terribly, but again, in the grand scheme of things, it was always going to be largely inconsequential, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm agreeing with much of that, Sam. I, I, I like Diop. Um, I think he's, uh, he's sort of cheekily confident. Mm. Um, you know, he's, he's he, it kind of makes me a bit nervous the way he tries to run around people, but he pulls it off. He just keeps pulling it off. Um, he, I, th- I think he's a good player, and like you say, it's difficult to judge um, anyone too harshly for their lack of impact on the game. But I, I look at him in isolation, and ag- again, he did not look out of place there yesterday at yeah. all. Um, I, Tom, Tom Kearney, I look, he, he didn't have a bad game. Um, he was right in the thick of it. And, you know, he, he, was, he was always going to look like he, he, he wasn't picking up a man, but because of the extra man. But I, I, it just highlights how good the, the, the sort of duo of Polini and Reed actually are, because he, forget the 10 man issue, he's just nowhere near as effective in defense, partnered up with Harrison Reed. Um, he's good when we've got the ball and he's good actually a little bit further up the pitch when we've got the ball because I like his ability to play some clever through balls. Um, but I noticed when we didn't have the ball, he 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 doesn't press.
2: Yeah, he doesn't.
1: And he was just sort of like jogging around, um, which is not what we've become – recently used to with Polinia,
0: Yeah, look, I, I think Kenny for me, actually played quite well. I think he introducing him saw us control the game a little bit more. The one thing about Harrison Reed is he's not the best passer of the ball, and Pereira likes to beat players with skill rather than pass around players. So I think having Tom Caney on seemed to settle the midfield a little bit more because he took control of the ball more often and actually... Took some took his time, which I know we don't always like because he does seem to slow the game down a little bit, but he took his time finding the right pass and making good passes and getting us out of a few sticky situations. The one thing that we can say is effectively we drew the second half one all. So those changes did make a difference. Admittedly, one of them is bringing Diop in at centre back and we basically played five at the back for the rest of the game. Um <clears throat> but I, I think Kenny's work in the midfield actually was quite important for for us, you know, not not losing by eight or nine goals. And then Niskins obviously came on with twenty minutes to go as well. From I, I'm a massive fan of Niskins. I prefer him personally starting over Deckard over Reed because I think he adds a little bit more flair, a little bit more skill. Um, he's he's better on the ball. He's better at putting crosses in, as we saw with the cross for the goal. Sam, your thoughts on, on skins performance. I know it was only 20 minutes worth.
2: No, but I, I actually I actually largely agree. I've I've been relatively critical of um Nieskins for most of the season, but um yeah, I actually couldn't agree more. I feel that when he came on, he actually had a lot more bite than um Bobby does. Um I always comment on how Bobby just seems to do a weird free roaming thing, which I don't necessarily like, and Niskins was at least playing in his position. And again, got that really, really lovely cross. And he was a really, really positive injection when he came on. And obviously he's what, like our third, I guess he's our second choice now. But I feel like his performance was probably enough to maybe get him a start next week, depending on who's fit. I,
1: I don't think Bobby Decadova Deca Reed's roaming is a discipline issue. I'm telling you, you get dragged if you did that. Yeah. You, you know, yeah, that hundred percent.
2: I'm not saying it was. It's just it just seems to be, like he's just all over the I, I place. Think he, I think Absolutely. he needed
1: he, did, to
0: be, he did play in four different he positions. He needed to be member. Yeah. That, that was yeah, no, that yeah. was his, you know, tall order for the day. Directive. Yeah.
1: Look, I I, I agree with both of you. I thought I, I, I'm a fan of uh Nissan as well. I think, you know, on on paper skill level, when we've got all our wingers fit. You know, he will have to work really hard. At best, he will be a rotational backup for um, maybe Mana Solomon on on left wing. But but I like him. I I think he's cheeky and he he runs he runs hard at um at at the defense. The quality is not always great, but he does he does cause problems. Definitely causes problems. And to be fair, Sam, when he came on, you know, I think Bobby was cooked, absolutely oh, cooked. Yeah. So you're never going to yeah. see that kind of dynamism for him and neither did he have the freedom to be running forward because he's always looking over his shoulder to see who needs a hand. And so mm. I think, you know, if we had a full complement of defensive um, players in, in on board, he can look forward and try and be a creative source. But in the last couple of weeks,
0: that hasn't been his luxury. Right. Well, obviously, you know, we've, we've talked about what went wrong. Let's take a short break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the positives that we can take from a 4-1 loss. There might not be many, but there's definitely one or two to talk about. So uh, we'll be back in a second. Right, we're back. Uh, so obviously 4-1 loss, not an ideal way to uh to spend your Saturday night watching a game of football like that, but there were some positives. Elton, why don't I throw to you what positives did you take from this game? There's one obvious one.
1: Yeah, um, thank God for Burnt Leno. Um, there were that, that game last night really reminded me of Areola um a couple of years ago, where we were, we may not have been 10 men down, or a man down playing 10 men, but he was working overtime and could, he was faultless. He couldn't be blamed for any of those goals going in. Um, You know, just thank God he was actually between the, the posts because we could have shipped so many. I thought he was outstanding and I'm really happy we've got him.
2: Yeah, um, we've actually spoken about it quite a few times um, outside of the podcast, but it always just highlights for me the difference between um, him and Rodak because um, with Rodak, I really, really like him. But in order for Rodak to be relevant in the side, he has to do 10 out of 10. He has to play his absolute best. He has to do... Like he has to play at his absolute peak and that's not sustainable at the premier league. Leno is that quality. He's that extra bit of class and he makes really brilliant decisions. He's smart. He's confident. He's an elite level goalkeeper. And that is the difference. So there is that extra bit of confidence. And then again, he's working his ass off. He's working his ass off. And yeah, as you said, echoing, Thank God he was there because it could have been a lot worse. I'm
1: going to say that, you know, we we were really lucky. It's a really good piece of business getting getting Leno. Obviously, Arsenal have a really great squad um, and he's become surplus to requirements. But I reckon he would very, very easily fit in any one of those top four teams right now. 100%. Yeah,
0: for, for me, Leno is... is one of the best keepers outside the top six. Um, I think you look at the goals we conceded yesterday, you can't put any fault at Leno for any of those goals. Um, You look at the goal Newcastle conceded yesterday, and I think Nick Pope should have done a lot better Agreed. and come for that ball. He ended up in complete no-man's land and jumped past the play. It was, yeah, I don't know what he was doing there. Um, And it's a shame we didn't test him more often because I think if we had had 11 men and tested Nick Pope, I think we would have got a few goals out of it. But Leno's performance, there were multiple times when he made really good saves. But it's not just making those really good saves off the great shots. It's also just the safe hands with the saves that you should be making all the time where sometimes keepers who who should be making those saves just get a hand on it and palm it out into the middle of the box and someone follows up and they create opportunities for the opposition. Leno doesn't do that. Leno has just been so solid. He's, he's, I mean, Pallinia is obviously the signing of the season so far, but Leno is very, very close behind him. And I know Leno's conceded a lot of goals this year already. I think we've conceded now four, 14, no, 16 goals, maybe 16, 17 goals. Uh, and f- some of those can be attributed to, um, <clears throat> Some of those can be attributed to Rodak early in the season, but Leno's definitely been the standout for me. Uh, I've been really, really impressed with him so far.
1: I, I thought what was also interesting is how he was kind of chipping in for that extra defender. There was a lot of times when, by, by sheer numbers, a lack of numbers, we couldn't get the ball out of defence, and he was actually making himself available many, many times for the pass back—not not just a rank pass back, but he was actually part. Of the the not quite triangular knocking of the ball around, but he was part of the, the 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 way we got out of trouble quite a few times.
2: So as well, he he responds to pressure in an elite level way. Like um, God God bless Rodak, but like I can only imagine the stress Rodak would probably be feeling in that exam situation. And I don't really like to compare them because I don't I don't feel like it's a real I genuinely don't feel like it's a fair comparison. But um, yeah, he just had so much poise, so much confidence, and also just composure. And in those situations, that that's invaluable.
0: Yeah, it was it, w- it was a good performance considering what he was having to actually go through on the day, which was you know a team constantly coming at him and having multiple multiple opportunities to come forward and, and take shots on goal without much marking happening uh, in front of him. So. Look, that's that's one of the positives. There aren't many, but that is one of the positives from the game. Um, So, look, I I think we've we've fairly well covered the game so far. What we did have was one question that came in um, from one of our listeners, uh, Paul. Um, So, Paul's posed the question, and I'll go to you first, Sammy. Uh, What is your view on VAR? Paul says, I personally still can't decide whether it's a good or bad thing. I suppose it depends on whether it goes in your favor or not, as without it, Chalabar wouldn't have
2: been sent off. Mm. I think with VAR, because I think it specifically with regards to us this season, it has been way more of a benefit than a hindrance. I feel like it benefits like the lower teams like us. Like it's a bit annoying for like your man cities or whatever, but if you think back to our game against Brentford, um I think they scored two goals on us, which um, if it wasn't for VAR, completely different different story. So I think we've got to look at this in a much larger context. And I think VAR specifically for Fulham is actually a benefit as opposed to a hindrance. So I can accept the the times when it doesn't go our way because more often it does. I think
1: once you introduce a technology into a sport, you know, like, cricket football um tennis and 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 obviously football there's no going back because the reason it comes in is for genuine reasons the absolute howlers right and then people start thinking well geez it does that job really well um perhaps we can do more with it and and now suddenly you've got you know the automatic goal um decisions brilliant right doesn't hold up play you definitely want to know when that ball's going over the line. You know, that, that's a really tough one when they uh, subjectively start looking at tackles, and maybe it depends where it happens on the pitch, if they look at it or not. I mean, it, it gets a bit murky. Um, I also noticed last night in the first half how many minutes we, we lost to, you know, quite deep analysis on VAR that's not great for the game but I think the idea is right that they're, that they're trying to take out terrible decisions and make it I guess more fair because the ref can't always be be right but uh you know um I I think you can't be miserable about the times when it goes against you even though it cuts you know if you're in a situation where you know you're 2-1 down and you score a goal and it's it's not given or you you're two all up and uh, sorry you're two all and you, you score a third goal and then it's not given and you don't win the points it's easy to be disappointed and frustrated but it's a given that it's always going to go with you sometimes and against you look I, I, I think it's generally a good thing and you just want to hope that they keep learning and keep um adapting it and i you know i don't think there's any intent to frustrate players or frustrate viewers they're trying to get it right it just takes time to learn how to get it right isn't there some uh, attempt jack to to have like an instant uh signal a little bit like the goal line signal uh for for more more var decisions to keep the game going
0: so In the World Cup, they're automating the offside checking, which would have um, definitely speed up the process when uh, Wilson scored his goal, because obviously after Wilson's goal, they checked two offsides, which I think took three or four minutes. It was kind of ridiculous. I personally like VAR, and I think what we need to remember, maybe not need to remember, but sometimes it needs to be said that the VAR decisions, uh, there's nothing wrong with VAR and using technology to to fix the game and fix fix errors. The problem is when uh, when referees don't use it properly. I think if you look at um, cricket and how they use technology, it's it's very simple. There's no like guesswork. The problem with the red card and the VAR being used is the referee is guessing. There, he's having to guess if there was intent. He's having to guess kind of if the if it was a dangerous tackle. it's all subjective. That's the problem with with those ones. and it's the same with we saw some other issues and there's an issue every single week with VAR where there's handballs given or not given. Did he put his hand to the ball or did the ball come to his hand? Was his hand in an unnatural position? Was it up too high? We've had one here where is Chalabur's foot making hard like does it how, how hard does the contact have to be? Can you see that in slow motion? Um, was he attempting to injure the player? Or was he going for the ball and was just slightly late and it was just a, a bad tackle because he's not a very good tackler? Like, it's it's really tough, I think, to, to just make a decision and be right because it, it is completely subjective. It's not like tennis where you use Hawkeye and if the ball is not touching the line, it's out. And if it is touching the line, it's in. This is someone going, right, what was he thinking when he did this? And was he doing it on purpose? And it's the same with offside as well like you know at least they've changed the rule now to say it's got to be a part of your body you can actually score a goal with to be offside so i re- I remember originally you saw people pointing and their arm was being used as the marker for offside and you're going well how that's ridiculous and people getting given offside by a toe because their toe was slightly ahead of the ball like <clears throat> it just seems like it's it's all subjective and there's no um What's the word for when something
1: objectivity?
0: No, no, there's no consistency. Well, That's I, the word I, I've never
1: really thought about it like that, but I think you're absolutely spot on. You know, no one's got a problem with Hawkeye and tennis. It's in or out. And it might be down yeah. to the micro millimeter, but it's in or out. And everyone's living and dying by the same rules in cricket. LBWs are judged. Run outs are judged. Stumping's are judged, And it's, is he in, is he out? Um, You're you're right, basically VAR has sort of given referees or a team of four referees the chance to kind of review the thing that they picked in slow, they they picked the intent in in real time
0: and now get to review it and reconsider it. And he he gave him a yellow card because it was a bad tackle. But then you look back on it and give him a red card and you have to also remember that he's going to a screen that is, less than five metres away from both benches. He's got every every support staff, every player on the Newcastle team jumping up and down, saying it should be a red card. VAR in his ear then says, yep, go and check it, just to see if you think it's a red card or not. He's getting chat the whole way there, saying he's come in high, his foots off the ground, he's tried to hurt him, sees it in slow motion and goes, yeah, okay, they're probably right, that is a red card. I think... I I just really think that the the referees need to sort of be drilled on it a little bit more and understand that, you know, go with your gut sometimes. First of all, he gave him a yellow card because it was a bad tackle. It wasn't at his knee. It wasn't high up his leg. He came in hard, but he didn't make massive contact with him. The guy played on for the whole game and didn't get taken off afterwards because he didn't get injured. Like how bad a tackle does it have to be to get you a red card? I don't think that was a bad one apart from the fact that he came in very hard and fast, he didn't actually make a lot of contact with him. Yeah.
2: I think as well. And I I can... The only thing I can kind of forgive with Chalba is the fact that he is largely a championship player. And so he hasn't really had that much experience with BIR. But I'm sorry, as we get more use to this technology and using it, it should be common knowledge that you should be aware of that because they're looking at you with pinpoint accuracy as opposed to just frivolously um, playing impulsively. That's just part of the game now at Premier League level.
0: Yeah, I I don't think he would have changed his... I just don't think it was a very good tackle. I don't think he would have changed the way he was tackling if he'd been wary of VAR. I think he just came in a little bit too late and just buggered it up. Um, And, you know, we can't be too harsh on him because people put in bad tackles every week. Unfortunately, this one's been referred to VAR, and I think the wrong decision's been made to send him off at that point. I think it really could have gone either way. I was thinking that even seeing the replay in slow motion, I thought, geez, he's he's hit his foot there. Like, he's not even got the ankle. He's hit the top of the foot. His foot is slightly raised, but I don't think that's a red card. It's just a really bad tackle. Um, <clears throat> so, I, I mean, for me personally, and it might be – slightly one-eyed because we obviously lost the game because of it. But I I don't think I don't think it was a good decision for VAR. I'm still for VAR, but I'm for VAR being used correctly. And I'm for referees understanding what VAR is and how they should use it to make right decisions. I don't think making a decision to send someone off for a red card for what was just a kind of bad tackle. It wasn't a horrific tackle that should have got a red card. Otherwise he would have got a red card straight away, which would have probably been fair enough if they'd if he'd given him a red card straight away, we might actually not be having this conversation totally. about VAR. Mm. Because you'd go, Yeah, it wasn't a great tackle. And yet I can understand why he gave a red card there. The problem is he originally gave a yellow card and then changed his mind and gave a red card after seeing it in slow motion, which which annoys so, me. So that tell me this. Me. So, tell
1: me this. If you gave him a red card straight away, Would they go to VAR
0: to see if that was fair or not? Uh, Potentially. I think that that rests on the VAR assistant. So there's Mike. Yeah, I don't like that. Sitting in, where I can't remember the name of the place where they do it, but he was sitting there and he could have gone and said, hey, you should check that red card. But realistically, because his foot was raised, he probably wouldn't have checked the red card. See, I don't like that. He would have said, yep, the foot was raised so I can understand. But that is... No, I, I, I don't mind that because that's at least empowering the referee and saying, yep, yeah, look, it, I can see why you've given that a red card. And and what they were doing yesterday was saying, you should look at this again because sometimes this could be given as a straight red in the first place and checking that. So I don't mind that, but I think the referee should have gone, actually, no, I stick with my gut. I saw it in real time. I, I'm looking at the replay. It doesn't look any worse than I thought it was, which was a bad tackle. Stick with the yellow you know what I mean? It's it's it is it's subjective. That's uh, I
1: do know what you mean, but here's what I think VAR is really trying to help football with, right? We all talk about fine margins and professional sport, and sure, but in, in football being such a low-scoring game, you cannot afford to have howlers. It, it's just too much of an unfair advantage, right? So goals, free kicks in dangerous areas who cares if they're a free kick that you win in defense you're not going to score from it uh you might stop their play but it's it's just not not as critical right um so free kicks in in attacking positions red cards absolutely game changing things so if if there's a chance that a red card could have instantly been awarded incorrectly for my money that's it has such a massive impact on the game of fine margins you have to you have to review both yellow cards that you think might be dodgy and red cards that you think may be unfair
2: i still think largely um because i i really view this from like a full lens and i think largely it does benefit us more so because like obviously it's it swings in roundabouts sometimes it won't go our way and sometimes it will but I feel like for us we need every advantage that we can get
1: you, mean, you need you mean you need every goal that we ship potentially disallow yeah I
0: mean <laughs> the the thing to remember is it always evens out yeah
2: oh yeah we, we're yeah.
0: getting we, we're getting I mean so far this season it's definitely worked in our favor yesterday it didn't um and the points will even themselves out over the season as well or the, at least they should. Um, I think at the end of the season, I've seen stats pop up about, you know, VAR decisions and how they affected games with goals being ruled yeah. out by VAR. Yeah. And um, most of the time, it, it slightly benefits some team and slightly um, hinders other teams, but not not by a huge margin. So mm. um, one word answer, Sam, VAR, yes or no?
2: Yeah.
0: Elton, yes or no? Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's a yes from me as well, I think, even though you know it definitely has it, has its moments, but I think it has to be a yes from me. So look guys, let's I think we put this one behind us. It was a it was a rough night watching that game. Uh, we look forward to the game now we've got a Sunday game coming up, Sunday 9 pm here in Perth, midnight over in Melbourne. Um, Fulham versus West Ham away at West Ham. Uh, West Ham last night, I think got a good result. They had a two 0 win against wolves. Uh, which obviously puts Wolves in a bit of a dire situation as well now. Um, but that raises West Ham too. Uh, they are 15th in the league now. Wolves drop down to 18th after that result. We're still sitting in eighth, which is a really good result for us. We haven't dropped too far down the table. Obviously we have games in hand, but uh, it actually, I think this game against West Ham is going to be quite a big one for us. We'll have Polina back, hopefully a few players back from injury as well. So personally, I'm looking forward to the game, although... It still feels a little bit like I've had the life sucked out of me after the game uh, last night. So, look, we'll touch base during the week, guys, uh, to discuss the the West Ham game. But thanks very much for joining me today on this lovely Sunday afternoon. Uh, Sammy, hope you have a good evening and we'll touch base in the week.
2: Thank you. It's always good to talk about Fulham, win- like win, rain or shine.
0: And Elton, thank you for your time today.
1: Yeah, great. Um, Harry Wilson, get some sleep.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: i hope the uh the fulham physio team are working in overdrive for the next seven days because we need those players back so anyway guys we'll touch base and we'll uh put another podcast out during the week uh thank you for everyone for sending in messages to us uh supporting the podcast we've uh set up our twitter during the week as well so we're now on twitter instagram and facebook you can find all our links on linktree our podcast is out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts now. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You'll get an alert as soon as it's been released. Uh, and look, we really look forward to talking to you during the week and, and previewing the West Ham game. And as always, come on, you whites.